Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The podcast with Dan Gardell and Greg Evans. Hello, welcome back to 1874, the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics Global Greg Evans to talk over yet another home victory for Aston Villa Football Club, 12 in a row at Villa Park now, Greg. But before we get into that, let's exchange some pleasantries. How are you? I'm very well, Dan, thank you. Couldn't be going much better for you as a Villa fan, could it? Mate, it is an incredible time to be a Villa fan. I went on a BBC Football Daily last night and recorded their podcast. And after I'd finished talking, like the way they were like, it's so nice to hear a supporter of a team talk about their team in such a positive way because it's not something that happens yeah. all the time. Because I, I actually don't ha- on the pitch, I don't have a bad word to say about the club. And you always might criticise a manager or players in in some way. I literally don't have any of that stuff in me at, at the moment. I just feel like they were talking about Manchester United before and all the problems and why they're happening and how bad things are as a club for Manchester United. And I was just sitting there thinking, everything's brilliant at Villa in, with, with the manager, with the players. Like, this is the best time I've ever had as a Villa fan, I think, just in terms of because of the football I'm watching and how interesting it is. Yeah, look, it's in, it's incredible, isn't it? The the, the storylines that are coming out of Villa now, um, and there are probably two clubs in the Premier League that are sort of riding this wave of um, amazing emotion, and it's um, and it's Villa and, and the the, lead, the leaders Tottenham, you know, and but Tottenham haven't sustained it over the period that Villa have. I think what's so impressive about Villa is that you know they're what two victories away from a record breaking. Um, uh, a sequence of, of, of a record-breaking amount of victories in a calendar year, and really? we've got what two months left, <laughs> and then and then the fact that they've won twelve at home, the fact that you know it's only Man City have won more games in twenty twenty three than Villa have, uh, you know this is over a real sustained period now, and 
there've been a few comments, uh, you know, on social media that that Villa have struggled against the better teams in the division this year. That they were comfortably beaten by Newcastle and, and Liverpool. But let's not forget, you know, Villa beat Newcastle equally as comfortably last year at the back end of last season. Um, and they gave Liverpool a real good run for the uh, money and stopped them from from winning a, a, another another home game themselves. So it's not like they're coming up against Luton and Sheffield United and Burnley every week. They're mm. cruising past those teams, but also holding their own. I think against the others. And yeah, look, those you know first two game uh, those two games I mentioned, Liverpool and, and Newcastle didn't quite go to plan. But Villa have got the home games to make amends and. I'm really excited to see what those games will be like because there isn't there isn't a place, you know, anywhere. Really, I don't think there's a place in Europe that's more feared than Villa Park at the moment. I think only it's five teams. I think, five in a I row, think Manchester think. City and Atletico Madrid. I think are the only two teams that are on a longer consecutive winning run at home or unbeaten run. I have to double check that, but um, you know, it just shows the the level Villa are performing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how perfect Unai Emery is. I am not perfect, and I forgot to say something about our sponsors, NordVPN, at the start of the show. So I will do that now and read it nicely here. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to www.1874.io slash NordVPN. And if you do that, you'll get a huge discount off a NordVPN plan, and you'll also get four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee as well. So yeah, if you will hear more from Nord NordVPN, well, me talking about NordVPN later. As Greg knows, we have to get into those intricacies of who's talking about NordVPN. But yeah, we'll hear more about our sponsors, NordVPN, later on in the show. Villa 3, Luton 1. Greg, have comic alone goal, in fairness, at the, at the end of the game. Villa just That's one criticism at the moment. It's a very minor one. Can't keep a clean sheet. <laughs> whatever, whatever we do, we seem to concede a consolation goal in in yeah. every game. You know, unfortunate with the Boeing deflection the, the week before. Brighton scored a consolation in in that game at Villa Park as as well, and then just a, a bit of a, a comedy of errors at the end of at the end of the game against Luton. We can't keep a clean sheet, but it doesn't matter because we only really concede one goal a game. And we're just so good in front of goal and score so many goals that conceding one goal a game it actually has pretty much no impact on the club. Yeah, no, it doesn't, does it? I mean, em- you can bet your bottom dollar Emery will be annoyed at it because he wants absolute perfection. Um, and look, you know, you could see by Martinez's face that he was frustrated with it as well, um, even though he couldn't really do too much about it. Gonza felt a little bit embarrassed by the looks of it. Um, and and look, to be fair to Luton, they were awful, <laughs> but they uh, they did have a little go towards the end, didn't they? They had a couple of corners and Barkley had that chance and... Um, uh, one of the centre, the centre forward had a, had, a, had a chance as well. So at the end, there was a little bit of a flurry, but I mean, never at any point in the game. And even before the game, if I'm being honest, did I did I fear that Villa would not get anything other than three points in that game? Um, but yeah, the, I think in the 12 home games that Villa have won now in a row, they've only conceded five. So it's one in five of those games. So, you know, the fact that Villa are scoring three and four and six in some occasions uh, has no bearing on, on on those goals that they're that they're conceding yeah you're right Villa were in complete control without probably getting out of third gear yeah, I, I would was... say really I'm pretty sure this never happens and I'm just I'm sure I've not, not noticed this before at Villa Park but there's a moment in the game where the stats flashed up on the screen oh, I'm right. sure that doesn't one. normally happen yeah, yeah and it was like Villa of 75% possession 15 shots Luton one shot I think we were tuning up at the, at the time I was thinking that doesn't usually happen at Villa Park I've, I've never noticed that before but Villa were just in complete control I think Luton had a, had a game plan 
didn't execute it terribly because I think they were tough to break down at times, but because Villa got the first goal in, in, in the first half relatively early, another lovely Austin McPhee special. His value cannot be understated. I think Villa are so good from set pieces and I never, ever understand when I say anyone giving Austin McPhee a stick because he's been a breath of fresh air at this club when he's been allowed to do his thing, which he has been for the last year under Emery. Villa have been so inventive from set players and caused teams trouble. And I just, I just think he's someone that flies a little bit un- under the radar. It was another nice routine. And I think getting that goal early-ish in the first half, it might have been a bit of a different game and a tougher game had that not happened. So that first goal coming when it did felt quite important to the tail of that game. Yeah, I think so. We'll get on to Austin McPhee after. Um, just on the game plan first, I think... Luton perhaps made a mistake not not going with three central defenders rather than rather than the two that might have made it a little bit easier for them to to restrict um, you know Villa. But I just think that first sort of thirty minutes, I think Villa had eighty percent possession in the first thirty minutes, and the way they were building up from the back and the way that they were just playing patiently, but at times with with real poise and, and purpose. Um, you know, re- really made the difference, and and it's games like that that you appreciate Paul Torres. And I've been a li- little critical of him, you know, some of the physicality issues that he's perhaps had in 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 times where it hasn't quite gone to plan for him. But what I've always been consistent in saying is that Villa will have more games this season now because of the level of that that, that, that they're operating at, where Torres's ball playing ability will help them. You know, and they. It, I, I don't know his passing accuracy and statistics. I should have looked at it before before we started the pod, but I can imagine it was pretty high. I don't think he misplaced many. If he had 100 passes, I reckon he, may, he might, might have misplaced five. But um, I think the way that he was working and building forward was was a real positive. What you could see was that Villa, was, Villa were dropping um, Kamara back into that yeah. sort of right-sided defensive uh, centre-back role. The, the wing-backs were pushing on. Lu, Luis Kamara was sitting quite deep and they were building up with five and then attacking with, with the rest. And, um, you know, Zaniolo uh, in the first half and then Bailey when he came on played very close to to Diaby and Watkins and really caused some problems. I think, I think you know, Villa are managing their games quite well. It, it was a, probably a good idea to take Zaniolo off and bring Bailey on with those fresh legs at half-time. You know, Emery said after the game that it was because he was on the yellow card um, that that came into his consideration. I think you've seen that later on in the game, didn't you, with Cash and was it McGinn, I think, also was taken off. Um, and McGinn was on, on still. I don't think uh, McGinn and Louise came Cash off. And Louise, sorry, yeah, Cash and Louise were both on yellows. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just protecting it and managing it well and what we're finding now with Villa is they, they seeming to be really enjoying these sort of Thursday to Sunday schedules. It was something we highlighted before the season, wasn't it, that potentially would have been a problem. But I think with so many you know, quality players in the team now, Emery's actually using it to his, to his advantage because he's giving every player that needs the minutes the relevant minutes. And then when they're called upon, um, you know, they're fit and fresh and redder. So it's working, yeah. And I mean, if you want to go into Austin McPhee, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've, been, I've been trying to trying to explain some of the good work that he's done now, having spoken to, to players who really enjoy his working methods, um, probably for about 12, 12 months, actually. Um, I think it was kind of since Uno Emery came in that he was really given uh, a bit more authority. So, yeah, you know, we, we are on the, the, the one-year anniversary of, of Emery now, aren't we? So um, I think it's probably a good time to sort of just look back on um, McPhee under Stephen Gerrard. It was more a case of... Gerard and and um, his his coaching team would would take the 
the training sessions and then set piece sessions were almost like, well, you've got to go and do them, but just go and spend some time with McPhee then and, and we'll get them done. There wasn't that full, um, um, there wasn't that full buy-in from, from, yeah. from players and coaching staff. Now, Emery over the years has, has made a, you know, it's no secret that Emery thinks set pieces are really, really important. If you look back to some of his um, campaigns with Sevilla there, you know, and, and Villarreal even, um, they scored some really important goals from set plays and Emery's training ground methods were, were a little bit different when he was in charge of, of set pieces. It was more a case of allowing the players to have a little bit of freedom to um, maybe instigate some of their own routines during during training but then when they got something that really worked he would go over and over and over with it you know pretty much in in Emery style and then when they went to the match day it was a case of right remember that routine that we worked on we're going to do that with Austin McPhee they have a little bit more time sort of individually so five or six players you know Louise Tielemans Baylor um, some of the stronger headers of the ball which you're now seeing Konza um, you know obviously previously it was Miggs and and Buendir and, and Watkins is very important when, when heading the ball, um, we'll have maybe two or three little 15-minute sessions, 20-minute sessions after training throughout the week. And then they'll have run-throughs on Friday where it would be a case of everything we've worked on, we're going to go through these individual routines. And I think the the biggest compliment you can pay Villa now, uh, Austin McPhee, his, uh, his analyst, the players, Uno Emery, who's overseeing it all, is that we're seeing something different and more creative almost every week, aren't we? And it yeah. doesn't it doesn't always come off, but you're not going to score from every corner or, no. or or attacking free kick. You're just not going to. Um, but Villa just looked really creative, and I, you know it was another nice move yesterday. And yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't think it's any coincidence that that Villa are performing really well from set pieces, attacking wise, and a fifth in the league. And you know Scotland, who Austin McPhee also works for. I've now qualified for the Euros, um, you know, with a couple of games to spare. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think when Stephen Gerrard did venture out of his office, which wasn't wasn't very often, but by the sound of things, you know, he, he the buy-in is the complete right phrase because if the, if the manager's not buying into the set pace code, there's absolutely no chance the players are going to buy into it either. The players will have seen that Unai Emery has given him a bit more control and let him do his do his job, essentially. And the players must believe in what he does as well. There's a couple of the players when we scored the first goal. Luca Dean was one of them. I can't remember who the other one was. They made sure that they went over to Austin McPhee and gave him a gave him a handshake, gave him gave him a high five because they know that that, that routine has has come from him. And Villa have had a few routines this season that they haven't scored from, but you know they've come close. There was that one against Brighton. I think got, got given as a foul. DRB on the keeper in the end, but you know that was such an inventive routine. Okay, it, it didn't come off, and you can't do it again if it, if it doesn't come off because everyone knows knows what's coming, but. Every game, there there is something, and we just look. We're not the biggest team in the world either. That's that's no. the other thing, you know. Villa aren't a massive team of giants. To get any joy off set pieces, probably have to be a little bit inventive, and and they were. And that McGinn goal, I mean, they just would not have been expecting that at all. McGinn to do what he did and, and score with his right foot as well. Diaby to to dummy the ball. Teams can't prepare for that because it's invented for that specific game. So hats off to Austin McFay. I think he's been absolutely brilliant for Villa, and I will die on that hill that he's been been an excellent, excellent addition to, to Villa's coaching team. And like you say, he's a big part of why Villa are doing well. And I think that gets that gets seriously underlooked in in, in certain quarters. DRB was good, wasn't he, yesterday? Talk, talk mm. DRB involved in that goal, involved in the other two, obviously scoring one of them as well and getting an assist for an own goal. I actually thought Villa's three best players yesterday were all relatively new players. I thought Torres, DRB and Kamara 
with Villa's three yeah. best players yesterday. I didn't notice Louise as much as I, as I normally do, not to say that he had a bad game, but he's usually at the forefront of what we do, and I didn't feel, feel like he was. Yes, I felt like Kamara was was a bit more of, of, of the forefront. And that, to me, I almost think it's probably planned in, in some <laughs> weird way that Emery probably says to Louise, you maybe take your foot off the pedal a little <laughs> bit in this game. You're on, you're, you're on the pitch, but let Kamara do his thing a bit, a bit more in this game. I feel like Emery's so on it that that kind of thing could have feasibly happened. Yeah, I mean, I obviously don't know some of the finer details of, of the of the of the game plan, but I think what you can pick up just from from obviously watching the from, from watching the game is that Kamara was a little bit more involved because he was dropping maybe a little bit deeper and just getting on the ball a little bit more, wasn't he? He was he was almost a centre half, wasn't he? When he was, they were really up in the back three. They yeah. kind of went right. shifted to the middle, and Kamara went went to the right, and there was almost Louise in front of the back three. Watkins, mm, uh, Watkins yeah, up top yeah. on his own. Diaby was just pulling wide right, pulling wide left. McGinn and Zaniolo came in to make that that box with, with Louise and were picking the ball up in really good positions. This is the thing, and I said this on BBC last night, that Villa don't change 4-4-2 off the ball. They don't, they, they don't change. That, that That's how they do. It's on the ball where there's all these different intricacies every week. Villa must be a nightmare to play, play it. Like plan for going forwards, yeah. and it tells with the amount of goals we've scored. Just because there is these differences every single game, the off the ball never changes from that four four two. But on the ball, there is something different every single week, and that must be a nightmare for the opposition. Yeah, and look, that that's what you know. That's what the manager has to stay on top of. He has to have that sort of sprinkling of of. Um... Uh, of enterprise almost every every week it has to be just that little bit different. Otherwise, teams perhaps will start to work Villa out if they're the same every single week. Um, so yeah, the, I just think the departments are all set up now. Villa, no, you look at Villa and you think you know how they're going to play. You know how they want to play. There's a clear identity there, so that helps. You know the players know their roles and responsibilities. When players come in, they're equally as good as others. Um, so you know there's there's a good squad there, a good squad of players. They know exactly what they've got to do as a collective. And then if a team figures them out somehow, Villa then still have the individual brilliance to go and change a game. I just look back at the um, the West Ham game when uh, just after West Ham had scored, um, they went for a, a little a decent period of, of, of possession and you know looked to be quite threatening. But then Villa flew up the other end and scored with you know that that brilliant Watkins goal, and they, it just seems like they've got a mixture of collective. Um, cohesion and individual brilliance, and then on top of that, you've got the the freestyling almost from set plays. And I think you know, as we as, we, as we've spoke about Austin McPhee, any any set piece coach um, will have his own playbook of uh, of routines, and and that perhaps is what's going to set them apart. You know how creative and and um, personalised is that playbook, but. You have to have the full buy-in before you can start putting that that into action. You have to have all the players on board wanting to do it. You have to have the manager coming down off the main training pitch into the set piece area and overseeing it and fully, um, you know, reminding the players this is what McPhee or whatever set piece coach from from any other club wants to do. Listen to him, and then you know the players listen to the manager a little bit more. But I think Villa have got that belief now for you know a real solid body of work over 12 months um, where they know that if they listen to the manager and his coaches um, th- th- and then they're, then they're capable of going and executing the game plan it just seems to be working brilliantly for them just on McPhee again this is turning into the Austin, <laughs> the Austin, Austin, Austin McPhee, McPhee loving he absolutely <laughs> loves this Austin McPhee if, he, if, he's, if he's listening I'm not, sure he does, I'm not sure he does listen but 
Uh, who's the only other person that's allowed to stand up in the technical area? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, did, yes, I have mentioned this a few times actually because uh, in previous reporting stuff, I did a big piece on set pieces, and it, I was I was really intrigued because um, some set piece coaches stand up, but others don't, and it's all down to the manager. You know, the manager, especially in you know, Emery's case, who you know really does roll the roost and. Um, uh, it's his it's his direction so as you'll see you, you won't see any of his assistants standing up but McPhee from what I understand has the authority to to um, uh, you know dictate or organize um, from set pieces but that's down to the manager that's not McPhee getting ahead of himself and no. saying look you know I'm going to do this that's that's the manager saying you know you, you know, this is your sort of, this is your baby, you come and do it. It was interesting hearing Ange Postacoglu, wasn't it, at the weekend, uh, sorry, on Monday, said that Mila Yedinat, the you know, obviously a former Villa player, has um, has taken on the, the set-piece sort of roles and responsibilities at, at, at Tottenham now as well, yeah. So oh, I just wonder whether he's picked up any, off anything off working with um, with Villa um, and whether we'll see Tottenham um, kicking on in, in that department. Before we continue, have we got anything else on Austin McFay? <laughs> we want to talk about it's got lovely hair, hasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, a magnificent, magnificent man. So, I think back to when he first came in, and Dean Smith was obviously the manager at the time he came in. I used to find it, I don't know, I just find it really entertaining every time we had a free kick or a corner or a throw in, and he'd, he'd get up and he'd come and come and come and have his say. You used to find that really entertaining, but now it's like he is arguably, I don't know, he's arguably the second most important person there because he's allowed to, to do that stand up in the way that the way the rule, rules have changed I, honestly i keep repeating myself i think he's absolutely brilliant, mm. brilliant. I, well i agree and I've, I've been trying to sort of explain this in in a more detailed way in some of our reporting and um i, I just think set piece coaches in general um they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing when yeah. they when they walk out of the dugout uh, when they walk out their their seat and they're trying to organize a defensive corner the best thing that can happen is that they don't concede, right? That's at a defensive corner or, or free kick. And the best, the worst thing that can happen at a offensive corner or free kick is that they don't score. And that more almost happens all the time. So, you know, it's just, it's so difficult. You just think, yeah, you've got these, these guys that are, because it used to happen at Man United, um, uh, I can't think of the set piece coach his name now, but he used to step out quite regularly. And you just think, if the fans get to know this this guy, and for Villa, you know, and for with McPhee, it was it was a bit more uh, in your face because of his appearance, wasn't it? You can't miss him when he's out there because of um, you know he's long he's long hair. He kind of he stands out in the dugout. Um, and yeah, I was just you just almost feel a bit sorry for them because they're, they're on a hiding to nothing if it goes wrong. And the absolute best thing that can happen is they either score or don't concede. Yeah, you uh, just stand. I was. I had a very brief conversation with him at the, the player of the player of the year award. The one year, he's actually a really funny guy. Was it? Yeah, I found yeah. him very, very entertaining with the way the way he was telling stories and, and talking stuff. So, Austin with a new contract. Let's come on. Let's make this make this happen on this show. <laughs> We've got the title anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we haven't spoke about anything else. I, I wasn't even I wasn't even envisaging that we that we mentioned this. But it's just it just turned into an Austin with a love you on this podcast this week. So DRB, let's talk about let's talk about Moose yeah. of DRB. He was the key player in the game, wasn't he? Involved in, in in all three goals, you know, stepping over for the for the first one, scoring the second, and then assisting for the Lockyer own goal for the third. How well have Villa done to get this guy in? Because there's a lot of 
so-called bigger clubs that have spent a hell of a lot of money on that type of player. Who because he's I know he's playing up front, but he's he's a wide player essentially. The you know teams Chelsea, Manchester United have spent a lot of money trying to get efficient, effective wingers in, and they've not managed to do it. I would say you'd think of Manu with Sancho and Anthony, not really hit the ground running at all at any point, not really yeah. had a consistent run of form. Villa have got this guy in, and he just looks like he's been playing the Premier League all his life. He looks like he's been at Villa all of his life as well. He's absolutely electric. I'm trying to think of the last player Villa have had that I would describe as being electric. He's got the Gabby in his prime, hasn't he? It's, it's the trickery as well to go with it. I never felt Gabby, Gabby was quick, probably the quickest yeah, player I've seen. Actually you know, young he's, when he was... When he, yeah, he's, he's got, different though, isn't he? He's a different type of player. Yeah, he's, he's probably... It might even be Tony Dyler. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's similar, isn't he? Uh, I can't think of... Just yeah. with his pace combined with his, with his dribbling ability... There's not, and he's a good, he's a good, he's a good finisher as well. That finish was that's not. He scored a couple of his Newcastle goal Newcastle on the first day. Made that look easy. His finish against Burnley first time that was a really good finish. Yeah, that was a good finish drilled into the corner on on Sunday, as as well. I, I've not, I can't think of a player really that Villa have had in my lifetime like him. No, he, he no. There's there's no. I, I, I'd love to give you the name. Right, you know, the, 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 there isn't there isn't one. There really isn't one. And uh, you know, he's got a mixture of of great traits. Which he's got a mixture of Ashley Young in him. He's got a mixture of Gabby in him with his pace. Um, you know, he's brilliant finishing. Uh, he's got a bit of a Kevin Phillips in him with his finishing, hasn't he? He's uh, fantastic. Phillips, what a bizarre name to call out. I was there, thinking of good finishers. <laughs> Kevin Phillips certainly was one. Oh, you've been doing, covering so much other Midlands <laughs> to have come up with Kevin Phillips as the first name in your head. Oh dear, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we're going off track here, aren't we? Um, but no, look, Villa, Villa, Villa needed to get that one right off out because they've hired, they've signed a lot of wingers over the years who have cost them a fair bit of money, but haven't fully delivered. You know, said this over and over, but... Bailey's getting close now as well. Bailey's getting close, it's taken him two years. So yeah. it's, not, you know, it's, a va- it's a valid argument that, that Bailey hadn't performed up until now. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, Bailey's another one who's performing really well. Really, really impressed with him. And he's, he's getting a lot of goals, isn't he? Which is great. But I just think for, for Diaby, it was a you know, big, big signing. They needed to get it right. It was Emery's first one, um, yeah, first real big one, in you know certainly in the attacking areas anyway. And um, the fact that you know he'd leaned on some support from from the data and, and recruitment team, um, Rob McKenzie, obviously who's, who's head of head of recruitment and 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 his staff played a part in it because uh, you know we all, we all know that Emery tried to get. Nico Williams from from Atletico Bilbao. He was the first choice, but how good was he? By the way, if he was the first choice, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, gee, look, you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself sometimes. Yeah. in football, you sometimes your second, third, fourth, fifth choice end up better than than your first. It's just how it works. You never know how it's going to pan out. Um, and look, the bottom line is Diaby's been brilliant for Villa, and from that first game at Newcastle, I I, I, I really fancied it. I thought he would. I thought he would change this team. Um, and he has, and I think, 
the uh, heaven forbid one of the two of them get injured because Watkins and Diaby they really work together great as a pairing but the fact that Villa now do have Zaniolo and Bailey in good form feels like it's not too damaging if they do but you just want to keep it as it is yeah still got Ramsey to come back as well if you throw him into that if you throw him into that Uh, as well Ramsey instead of Zaniolo I mean that god that'd be strong wouldn't it Ramsey's some player as well Mm. especially you know the way he carries the ball as well and his physicality and his close control you know looks like he's he's Running through, running through water, gliding almost. Ramsey does with the ball. You add him into that mix as well. And this is the amazing thing. And I'm repeating myself here because I've been saying this for weeks. Villa have done what they've done with four really important players, not kicking a ball really. Yeah, you know, that that is staggering. I, I feel like we, we lost a couple of games at the start, and people not lost their minds, but there was people asking questions saying, "Uh oh, you know, is that, oh, the wheels fell off?" But are we as good as we thought we were, we were going to be? You know, we've obviously ended the last season well. And I just feel like since that Liverpool game, it's almost like there's no, we can't, we, we're never going to come encounter problems because when we do have a problem, Emery just seems to come up with a solution for, for everything. It's I don't think it's rich to say, as much as I'd love to have had those four players available, we haven't really missed any of those players when you look at how well we're doing. Mm-hmm. Would we be any higher if those four had been fit? Probably not. I don't think. I don't, think back, don't get me wrong. Look, you, you want Moreno back, you want Mings back, you want uh, Ramsey back, and, to, and I suppose to an extent you want Brendier back. Yeah, of course. Back. Well, you want them all back, yeah, and and it strengthens the it strengthens the bench for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there would have been any higher. I don't think any of the games would have gone any other way. Really, um, I feel like. Emery is brilliant. He always finds a way of of getting the job done, doesn't he? And look, it's a lot on the players. They've got to go and execute it themselves. And and, and look, they were very, they were a very good group of players before Emery came. Remember, they just needed that coach, you know, that elite level coaching to to pull it all together. Um, but I look back to the Palace game, you know, where they scored what three goals in the last ten minutes. You know, in another team, another day, the Palace could have held on to that. But, you never fear. You never fear it, do you? Then you always think they'll get a job done. And even in Europe and the, the home game where it uh, wasn't against the Bosnian yeah. team, forget I, the name. It, it doesn't, didn't, really. Yeah, irrelevant, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> be too quick with that. I've got to play them again, Greg. <laughs> didn't feel like you, you just always knew it would come. Oh, certainly, yeah, I, I was watching. I just, I just knew it would come. Um, and uh, they go about it in the right way. Now they don't rush it. And the real, real changing point, and I remember writing about it for the Athletic at, at, at the time in real detail, was the four-two defeat to Arsenal. In some ways, that's the best thing that could have happened to this Villa team because they were drawing two-two, and then all of a sudden the game plan went out the window, and yeah. they weren't, they were not listening to what the manager, the players were not listening to what the manager wanted them to do, and they were kicking the ball long. They weren't patiently building out from the back. They weren't maintaining possession and control in the game, which Emery talks about so so regular. And they got a real dressing down after that game. And since then, it's turned around. It took a little bit of time after, but since then, that was the real, real turning point for them. Um, and sometimes, and I'm not saying Villa were at rock bottom, but they were they were in a, a, a difficult place at that point because they'd lost to Leicester, they'd lost to Arsenal. There was the humiliating defeat to Stevenage and it was just building up and there was a slight change of narrative beginning and we were thinking, you know, as Emery's coming and set, uh, steadied the ship, but they're going back downhill at the moment. And sometimes a team just needs that rude awakening to, yeah, I think you're to right. get back and um, 
and they certainly have been brilliant since. Yes, it is an incredible time to to, to be a Villa fan. I I just look forward to going everywhere because I spent so much time of my my life. I always look. I'll always go, and I've always wanted to go. But there's a different feeling when you when you're entering the ground because you've actually got some belief and you've got some expectation because Emery has just changed this whole football club. I've said this a few times as well. I don't think I've said it on on this show that Unai Emery. You look at the job he's done in coaching the players and improving the players, but you know you just talk about the Arsenal guy. He almost has had to coach the fans as well. Yeah, because the fans you in that, remember in that they, game, they weren't, weren't happy they with weren't the out from the back. He was no, anti. No, no, now no. you don't see, and sometimes they Villa do cut it fine with some of the stuff they're doing, but there's no no noise, no audible noise from the fans no. at all. When that there's, happens, there's, there's pure belief trust. now. Yeah. There's pure belief now, and it and it wasn't there before. You know, there was. I remember just I remember walking out of some games, and there were there were supporters complaining. You know, why are we playing this? Crap style out from the back. It's too, you know, it's boring. It's it's too risky. Get the ball forward quickly. That's what we want to see in exciting well, football. All those things that made Villa rubbish for you. Yeah, and you're just thinking, well, it hasn't really worked previously. Um, and you know, even in the in the area by the press box where where where, where I see it, it's there was a lot of whinging around that time. But it's certainly changed now. And I think if you're a Villa supporter, what's what's great now if you're a Villa fan, especially if you go quite regularly to the away games, is you like like Altmar, for example, you know, you, you meet up with your mates, you look forward to the day before the the, the day of the game and bef- you know, before or in years gone by, the game was the worst part of the, yeah, the experience. Yeah, let the whole day down. It just ruined it. It's like you go out, you meet your mates, some of some of you would have a, a good drink and that, you know, others wouldn't, but you'd you'd have a sing song. But you'd be never be like anticipating going to the game. It almost like we've got to go to the game. And and it would ruin it for people, and it'd be the worst part of the day. But it, now it's just adding and enhancing the experience. And Villa fans have got a bit of um, arrogance about them now because they go into the games, they're happy, they're excited, and they know that their team is going to back up how proud they are of being supporters and get the job done. Yeah, it's like I keep saying, it, it's an amazing time, and not nothing I've ever experienced. I, I'd love us to achieve something ultimately, but I think you know we've already in twelve months of Emery, we've already achieved a hell of a lot, qualifying for Europe, and just like I say, getting that feeling of just enjoying going to the going to the games again, and having that arrogance. And obviously, I talk about Villa quite a lot in in in, in everyday life and going on various outlets to, to talk about Villa. I feel like even I, I've picked up a not even it's not even arrogance. I don't know what 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 the word is, but I've just got. Such belief. I've always been tried to be positive about Villa, but I feel like I can be positive about Villa now. And there's a ton of things mm-hmm. to, to, to just back it up. Adam, Adam just wrote in the chat. I didn't even know he was watching the the, the producer. He said confidence question mark, and it is a confidence. Yeah. I feel like if I go on and wax lyrical about Unai Emery and Villa, it's going to be backed up with what what everyone else is saying and what what the wider world is saying. I mean, if Villa were under the radar maybe a few weeks ago, that's the only thing now. They're not under the radar now, are they? Because they're they're closer to, to you know to first than they are to dropping down one place to sixth. So we're not under the radar anymore. It's amazing, isn't it? And and look, I think in football, there's there's nothing wrong with a bit of arrogance in 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 the right way, if channeled yeah. in the right way. It's yeah, you, you know how we how we frame it: confidence, arrogance, however you want to look at it. Look at it. It's like football players. Um, you know, the best ones have a touch of arrogance because. They need it. And I'm not saying a set of supporters need that, but sometimes when when conversations and arguments and debates between supporters often get so heated and, um, you know, having something to fall back on 
which Villa now clearly have. They have a year, a body of work over a year now to, to fall back on. And, you know, the likes of Liverpool and, and, and Man City and Man United might laugh at that and say, well, it's only a year. But, you know, a, a solid year is enough to, to have to to, to, to to be allowed to be a little bit arrogant about your team and to be able to sort of, you know, shout from the rooftops about how good they are. Because Villa are now. And I think, you know, they're going into games and they're expecting to win. Um they're just ticking off all the boxes as well. You know, we said only a couple of months ago, the concerns were, can they do the Sunday to Thursday schedule? Yeah, they can. Oh, I think they can. Now, I think we've we've almost ticked that box yeah, off. There's a bit of a way to go, but Too yeah, they out, can. Ray. You know, they're managing it well for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not seeing any signs of tiredness or, or sluggishness or, or game plans going to pot because of it. They're, they're, they're executing the, the plan well. Um what what now is the most important thing? How far can Villa go? Do do they have to go and deliver an FA Cup this year or the Conference League, um, or you know a top four finish? I think if you get a top four finish like Newcastle did last year, that still trumps winning the FA Cup or yeah, I've changed my mind or winning this. or winning the um, the Conference League for me now. And I think because you can then safely say that you've had an unbelievable season. First and foremost, you can then uh, say you've improved on last season. You've now got the increased revenue, which allows you to buy even better players next year and helps make the club more sustainable moving forward and get you in the picture a little bit longer and more for long for the long term. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got these exciting nights to look forward to, like Newcastle are experiencing now against Dortmund and PSG and AC Milan. You're just playing a slightly higher level of teams. And I'm not being funny now, but... If you look back to the game, uh, the last game of last season, Dan, when Villa secured the Conference League? Brighton. Brighton. Think of the celebrations on that day, right, and the euphoria around the place. Now, that felt almost like a final. Do you know what I mean? That felt yeah, like yeah, a final yeah. win. So you get that feeling of, of okay, and, and I'm, I'm moving that forward. If Villa get to the stage where they can do that to finish in the top four, that would feel, that feeling of securing top four, top five, top I'm five, convinced... Top five. Top five, excuse me, yeah, yeah. yeah would, would feel, um, you know, at that right given time, as good as winning an FA Cup. Yeah, I have always been for years, especially, you know, been asked the question, because people assume that at some point we will win a trophy because it's it's an I mean, I think people think we'll go a long way in the in the conference league, and I, you know, I think we will as well. But I've always been trophy, trophy, trophy. Give me a trophy over top over Champions League football because I want to see us win something because I haven't seen it since since I was 10 and I want to experience us winning a trophy, sat next sat next to my dad. You know, he's getting older. I want, I want to see those things. But the more I think about it now, and it's easy to say when you are sat in the top five, a bit of in my lifetime been in a position where it looked like they might get Champions League football before and it obviously fell through un, under O'Neill. But if you, if you win the FA Cup, let's say, it gets you a place... In, in, in Europe that at the end of it yes you've got that trophy but at the end of it it gets you into the Europa League doesn't it yeah in the FA Cup if you finish in the top five it's not a trophy but it gets you Champions League football which elevates the club to a completely new stratosphere it you know it, and now it opens up new markets it opens up new players like it makes you more financially viable the income that you're going to take in from that competition it is an elite competition with the big boys so almost the knock-on effect from finishing in the in the top five is bigger than the knock-on yeah. effect of of winning the trophy now these owners are so so engaged but in all fairness they probably haven't come to villa thinking we want to win a trophy 
the owners have probably come in thinking we want our team to be in the Champions League and win it ultimately. And, you know, those oh, are yeah, the ambitions. I mean, we've done it before, Greg, as you yeah. as you well know, a different time, obviously. But do, do you know what I mean? I just feel like that knock-on effect of if we did finish, stay. All we've got to do is stay, stay where we are now, which is which is easier said than done. If we can stay where we are now, that's a. It does feel now to me it's a bigger thing because I think it feels real. I did say at the start of the season that I think Villa can finish in the in the top four, top five. I, I did really feel that, and then those injuries happened, and we lost a few games, and it did start to you did start to think this, you know this might be tough. I thought Mings would be a huge miss. I was like, there's going to be some going to be some problems here, but Emery has just completely adapted it, and we just look like a serious outfit. We really do, and it's. I remember the feeling at the end of the season when we kept winning games. It looked like we might get into Europe. I think mm. how we are now has surpassed that because the, what I'm watching, I just think Villa are a proper team. And, this, you know, these players are good enough to qualify for, for the Champions yeah. League. This man, the manager, even if you want to keep, if you want to ta- disregard everything else, that manager wants to be involved in elite competition. He wants to be in Champions League Champions League football. If you were to keep Unai Emery, not, not keep him engaged because he'll always be engaged, but... You know, if you want to guarantee that you keep this manager who is the, going to end up being one of the best things that's ever happened to Villa, we have to be in the Champions League because that's what he wants and that he is that standard of manager, I'm afraid. Yeah, 100%. You know, the the, the start to the season, you analyse the way Villa are playing. They're good enough to fin- to, to at least finish where they are now. Yeah. You know, they, they are, they've proven that already. They're good enough to finish there. There are going to be bumps in the road at some point. There are going to be injuries, perhaps suspensions. Um, the... The amount of games that Villa are going to play, I still think at some point might hurt them. Um, if it doesn't, fair play to them. They've already proved me that that you know they've already proved that that they can do it so far. Can they sustain it over the course of the season? That's the next challenge. Um, how strong are the teams around them going to be? I, I, I don't think Villa are quite at a Man City and Liverpool yet. I think and and perhaps maybe Arsenal. Tottenham, I'm, I'm just, I want to see more of them this Same. season to know where they're at. Yeah. Newcastle, uh, they're going to be right. They're going to be right there, aren't they? You know, they've got a great squad. They're going to be they right got, there. Their injuries are piling up at the moment. They've got about five fullbacks on yeah. there. Yeah, look, look, you know, exactly. But at some point that could happen to Villa. They could have three midfielders out at some point and all of a sudden you, you're looking at... It's, it's it already big... has happened to Villa. Like that's the, that's the thing. It's happened and we're still where we are. Mm. Those injuries have happened. I don't think Villa have ever been... The, the injuries have occurred. I don't think Villa have ever been down to the real bare bones where you think we're going to have to put a midfielder at centre-back or something like that, you know, or like a... You should, a I don't think a Premier League team at the highest level should should really ever get to that point. I don't think they... Newcastle won't get to that point, but if you look at their bench at the moment, I think it was Target, Dummy, Lewis Hall, three left-backs. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's stretched, but... Um, you know, and, and inevitably, all teams sort of have a have have that across the course of the season, and you know there will be a point where it will be a bit stretched for Villa, and how they get through that will be important. Um, but yeah, look, the takeaways are they're performing as good as as, as good as their league's uh, position suggests, if not better. Um, they now have the confidence and the momentum and the platform already to go and kick on, and you know the points advantage ahead of others. Um, I, th- I think they're in a much better place than your Man United's and your Chelsea's, who have always been bigger teams than Villa over more recent years. But the tide is slightly starting to turn. I want to see more of Tottenham, um, and I don't quite think they're as good as the other three: Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool, just yet. No, I agree. I agree. I think the top three is Man City, Arsenal, and Liverpool, and then like, I'm 
unsure of Tottenham. They don't look, they're doing brilliant little what a start that I've had. You know, we sat here talking about how good Villa starts being. Poster Coglu's done amazing to turn yeah. that around because they finished below Villa and they're top of the league. Yeah. Now that's that, that's ridiculous. And the fact they don't have Europe, that might help them. And they've lost their best player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that's just ridiculous. That very, very happens, to Tottenham. Yeah, come on. Yeah. That, that's a hell of an achievement. For, and Poster Coglu just seems like an absolute legend as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, the other, that's the other thing. So fair play to Tottenham, you know. But I just think, I don't know. Maybe, to be fair, maybe, maybe it's a bit disrespectful of us to say we want to see more, more, more of them. I'm really interested by our game there. That that's coming up. Mm. That's going to be a hell of a game, right. Tottenham v Villa, because probably two teams that are really in their manager's mould at the moment coming up against each other. It'd be really interesting to see what happens that day. That does us for the, the, the loot and kind of review. It's obviously we've delved into other things as we go, but it's important to say that Greg and I don't really have a plan what we're going to talk about. Just kind of do it yeah. off the cuff and, and see what happens. We could do with an Unai Emery figure above us, really, <laughs> telling us telling us what to do. You know, we're, we're just going out there with no tactical plan whatsoever, but we seem to be making it work just about. Before we crack on, let's hear a little bit more about NordVPN. 1874 is proudly sponsored by NordVPN, so when the Villa are playing and you can't watch it, we want to help you. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and your smart television. So if you want to watch some live content, it allows you to appear like you're in another country. And whilst you're connected, no one else can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy for you. As part of NordVPN supporting 1874, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to 1874.io slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details are also in the description. Also, this November, NordVPN are also promoting Movember, which is a charity based in the UK which raises money to help fight mental health, suicide, prostate cancer and testicular cancer. All are amazing causes and NordVPN has added a donation feature to their checkout which enables new users to donate £1, £5 or £10 or whatever the customer decides to donate. And even better, NordVPN will match every donation. As always, we're very grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight, but if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help keep the channel running and help us too. Greg, just wanted to talk about a couple of Villa's loanees. Well, actually, they're not a couple of loanees. One is a loanee, Louis Barry. Really bad injury. He was having a really good time down in League 2 with Stockport, but he's picked up a, a bad injury that's going to rule him out for some time. Yeah, really disappointing for the lad actually, because you know he'd had a couple of failed loan spells previously, and he's you know finally finally got the right one at Stockport. Had been doing really well, um, you know, given the responsibility to, to 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 be the penalty taker as well. So he was adding to his goals in 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 that area, um, and and has now sustained this injury that's going to rule him out for the season. So yeah, real real blow for him. Um, just so sad to see you know, youngsters who. Just really need that chance, don't they, to yeah. go and kick on and then you know be be thwarted like that. And it will be disappointing for Villa as well because, it, you know, from a from a business point of view, this was a player that they had who was growing significantly significantly in value with the, with the goals that he was starting to score. Um, but uh, but yeah, disappointing. Hope hope he gets back to to his best um, when he's when he's finally fit again. 
I always think it's a shame when a young player gets a, a really bad injury because it can really affect their development and it completely changes the direction in which their their career goes. Like, I mean, look, Buendera Mings' injury, no one likes to see stuff like that, but you know, they've already developed and done well in in, in their careers and like made it. For Louis Barry, that mm. significant injury, that could completely change the trajectory of his career and the direction it goes in. So I always think it's a real shame when a young player picks up a really bad injury. So we wish Louis Barry well and hope that he returns soon. The what the one thing I would say the one um, not positive but because you know, a, 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 everything he's going to be um, you know hard for him at the moment but what he has done in this short period on loan at Stockport he's shown that he can score goals you know consistently at this level and deserves a step up next year yeah. so you know whatever would have happened this season for the remainder of this season and look he might have gone on and scored lots of goals he might have stayed at Stockport he might have come back to Villa and got a bigger move at that point but whatever I think happens now he's going into next summer when he will hopefully be fully back to fitness he will be able to get a better low move or a, full, a permanent move yeah kind of protected as well to an extent because he's had that new contract recently as well which you know Villa are good at looking after young players in, in fairness whatever happens but you know he'll feel you know if you say if his contract was up at the end of the season and he's had that injury as well you know that kind of thing's happened to players the young players that Villa have brought in actually where they've had a bad injury and they've ended up leaving leaving the club having never really gotten a chance to do anything the lad from Norwich name's completely gone yeah, from Shat- Ruben Chatpoke yeah you know he never got a chance really to kick a ball no. For Villa, West Brom now, I think. I don't know where he's gone. I saw. He I knew, I'm in the Midlands. Yeah, I think. So I, know, I, I knew he'd left Villa, you know, but his mm. bad injuries—they've completely changed the direction of which his career was gone. And then he's out. And then he's out of contract, having never really got a chance to to prove himself. So at least from that perspective, Louis Barry's pr- protected, and you know, he's, my mate did his blinds in his house as well, so he's got nice blinds in his house for his, uh, <laughs> for his, for his recuperation as, as, as well. Phil Jane, not really on loan, although he does feel a little bit like he is on loan at Hull because he seems like such a talent. He feels like someone that Villa might bring back in, in, in the future. Scored an absolute world the, the, the other day, running half the length of the pitch. Just yeah. amongst the goals at Hull, Hull are going pretty well as well. Scoring against Blues, which is always nice to see. You know, he's making a good a good fist of his move in the, in, in the Championship. And you, I was speaking to you about this earlier. You know, you got some stuff around the fee that you wanted to talk about. I mean, yeah, it felt like five million pound that that Villa got back for him was was quite low. But I think what what you got to remember is Villa paid nothing for him, took him out of a you know a, a, an amateur academy, um, and, and managed to get that for, fully back as profit. But because they put the buyback clause into the deal, obviously the fee was you know structured around that. It couldn't have been too high because the fee that Villa would then have had to pay to get him back would have been even higher. So it was you know something that was all put together between the two teams. And while it might on the surface seem a little bit low, it was it was you know with one eye on the future that uh, Villa don't want to pay too much if they want to get him back in the future. Yeah, let's finish then with the, the press box archives, Greg, and a, an apology from you be, before we start. Yeah, it's very slack for me. Um, forgetting I mean, you should be fair, you've got a lot going on. Yeah, I've got a lot going on, in fairness. <laughs> for the second week running, I forgot uh, to prepare for this, so apologies. Yeah. I'm going to push it over to you um, yeah. from your years of experience in the press box. I've, I've never I've been in the press box about three times in my, in my life. It's just a tale from the away end for me, because this is this is a story from the away end as well. I thought about it earlier when we were talking about like, how good the players were and, and, and stuff like that. I've only remembered this because I saw him yesterday, actually, so I saw... Saw Matty Cash's dad when I was when I was when I was walking around yesterday and had a, a brief conversation with him. And I re- remember, remember Watford away, 
Villa got, got thumped. Lot Sar absolutely murdered Matt Target that day. And Villa was just, it was just yeah, a real, real off day. Yeah. It was a shame. It was the first away day since since COVID. Oh, everyone was so excited, and we got got there, and it was just terrible. You know, you're talking about yeah. you're talking about like the game ruins the day. I was having such a nice time, and then the game <laughs> did just just completely ruin the day that day. So I was sat there with with Dolan. And uh, someone came over to, to speak to us, a Villa, Villa fan, and he was talking about how bad it was, basically. And he was say, laying into Matty Cash a bit, saying, oh, oh, right. Matty Cash was terrible, you know. I think I, I don't think he's a Premier League player. I think he might be a championship fullback. This guy turned around in, in, in front of me and went, I'm his dad. And I thought he was rubbish today as well. <laughs> it was, it was my, <laughs> dad. So I, I saw him yesterday and I had a little chat with him. And um, I just thought, like, and, and in the Wolves guy, the Wolves away the other week, I was a, around some of the players' families. And, you know, Diego Carlos, his family was there. Um, Douglas Louise's family wearing all the shirts. So you could clearly, you clearly knew yeah, you they know, were part of, of, of their family. And just thinking the difference they must feel being sat in a, sat in a way and with the Villa fans now, like how free and how proud that that day must feel because it wouldn't have always been like that. I'll tell tell kind of another story. I sat by um, Connor Harahan's brother for a game, Brentford away, and he missed a one-on-one and we were going through a real rough patch at the time. We we were awful and he, he, he should have scored and, you know, he was getting pelted. By the Villa fans, and I was sat by his brother, just thinking, "God, this must this be awful, yeah. absolutely horrible to yeah. have to sit there and listen to people like talk about your your, your brother like that." You know, fair, mm. fair play to him. You know, he didn't react. He, he he took it all in, took it all in his stride. But just the, how far we've come now, and the difference. You know, the players' families just visibly sat there, like wearing the shirts and of their of, mm. of their family member, and just people coming up to them and saying how much they love their son and think things like that. Like it's just. It's not in day, isn't it? Part, isn't it? Yeah, there was, there was another example like that, actually, that at Bournemouth away on the, the opening day of last season when Villa lost 2-1. Um, there were a couple of supporters really upset, some some members of the McGinn clan as well. Yeah, really? Um, with, you know, with various things. So it's difficult for family members. I think, you know, they really have to sort of hold, they really have to hold back because they, they'll hear all sorts of, you know, untowards remarks during games. Um you know, speaking to on a slightly different side of it, speaking to people from you know from from Jack Grealish's family when when yeah. when he came um, back to Villa Park and, and Villa fans booed him, you know things like that really hurt as well. So it's it's tough for families. You know, they a lot of supporters I think think that that you know it's great for them as well because they're in the they're in the uh, spotlight and you know they're very well paid etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But it can be a tough old, uh, tough old time. As watching the David Beckham documentary has, has showed me as well, with, with you know his mum speaking in there, it must be so difficult yeah. for um, for family members when the going gets tough. Yeah, it's nice to to see them getting some some enjoyment as well, and they they must be so proud of of what they're seeing at the moment. You know, they've they've almost not chosen to be to be Villa fans. Like we've all cho- well, we, I've, I've cho- well, actually, I didn't really have a choice, but you know, I'm a Villa <laughs> fan because my dad's a, a Villa fan. That's why it's passed down. They're almost forced. To, to follow this club up and down the country because they're yeah. a member of their family's playing for the club and they just must absolutely love it as well. The McGinn one's a, 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 valid, a valid point. You know, the year, a year ago, his confidence must have been on the floor and he, he was getting pelters and there was questions asked to me. I'm, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, I didn't ask questions because but because I did, but I always felt there was a really, really good player there that was just being let down by the, the system that, that, that was around him. And I saw him at... Uh, a Villa Foundation event, and he, I could just, I'd met him a couple of times before, and he was always really bubbly and really up, and 
he felt I did his body language just felt not not right and you could see he was low and he'd come to see these fans but he knowing really that he was had been getting abused in the in the yeah. in the stands and stuff and now again we're a world away from them again of last season and how he must be feeling and how his family must feel going to the game. So this is a special time at the moment. This is a, a time that Villa fans really need. You need to you need to cherish this time because it won't be like this forever. But no, it's it really does feel sustainable, but it's you know it won't be like this forever. No, and, and look, it's it's important to enjoy it. I mentioned I mentioned the word arrogance, and 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 I meant that in a polite way. You know, arrogance, confidence, however you want to say it. But there aren't too many occasions as football supporters where. You can have, um, you know, all this evidence that of how good your team are and be able to back it up. You've got to roll with it and enjoy it because, as you say, Dan, it doesn't happen. It's not going to happen every single season. No, they're going to be ups and downs. All in unison, the, the the fans are completely on board with what the manager and the team are, are, are doing. You know, maybe not so on board with some of the stuff off the pitch at the moment, but really, really on board with what the manager and the and the players are doing at the moment. They just they just love all round. You know, the players love the fans. The fans love the the players. The manager starts every interview talking talking about the fans, and you know, yeah, it's not nice. he's, he's coached the fans. The manager has coached the fans, and I have never ever seen that happen before. I don't think I don't even know if I've seen that at any club, in all honesty. But I've definitely not seen it at Villa. So yeah, let's go. What a lovely, lovely podcast that was. Lovely fifty-three minutes I've had had with you, Greg. Probably one of my favourite ones we've ever done. That really, 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 really enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. Maybe we'll have a press box archive. Maybe we won't. I'm not sure. Yes, I'm going to prepare for next week. Do look. He's already on it. He's already on it. But there'll be some more shows on the channel in the lead up to the game on Sunday against Nottingham Forest. So watch out for for them because yeah, we'd like you to we'd like you to watch them as well as this podcast. There has been some issues with audio platforms of, of our shows getting up. We've basically changed provider. I, I don't know the technical terms of of what's gone on. So direct all your fury towards Adam Bates, not me on Twitter in the DMs because I don't really have. Have a, have a realistic answer for, for what's going on but I think we've changed providers and there's been a bit of a, a breakdown somewhere so we'll, we'll try and get that sorted as much as we can but we're always up on YouTube if you are desperate to listen to the shows give the video or podcast a like wherever you've taken it in and leave us a comment as well with your thoughts on the podcast did you agree with the stuff that Greg and myself were talking about on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast please subscribe it really helps us grow and it helps us appear in places we may not always appear and other people then notice us so please please help us by subscribing if you are watching the show Greg and myself will be back next week yeah the preview show will be out later on in the week for the Forest game have a great Sports Social Podcast Network Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.